Thanks for joining us for Welcome New Life's Sermon of the Week, where it's all good news. To stay up to date on all of our weekly services and events, please visit us at wnla.church. Please enjoy this week's sermon. We hope it encourages you. So that acapella rendition is a, is a picture of what the church is. This is what we've been talking about this week, uh, this month, about unsung heroes. I mean, imagine that, that the one girl who's doing the drum with her, like, I, don't even, I can't do it. But in the middle of this song, if she's like, you know what? It's my time to shine, right? Out of my way, I get the big solo now, right? There would be a discord, and, and it, it would destroy the message of the song. Um, the most anointed place you can be is singing the notes the Lord has asked you to sing for this season. Sometimes you get to be the lead singer, and sometimes you are the doo-doo, and the, sometimes you're the drum. But when we all, in harmony, with joy, embrace the note and the song that the Lord is singing through us, the anointing cannot help but flow and transform. Even if you're better at somebody else's part than they are. I, I want to emphasize that because we've all been in those situations when you're watching the Seahawks play and you're like, I could have run that ball in. <laughs> right? Hopefully that's not today. Yeah. We've all been in those situations, whether it's sports, whether, whatever it is in your life and you're watching like, well, I could have done a better job than that. Maybe you could have, but that wasn't your calling in that moment. And so even if you could and you would sing it better, the anointing wouldn't be on you for that and it would fall flat. We lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways we acknowledge him and he directs our paths. It's all, and here's the bonus. Only in the Lord does your weakness become strong. So I'm not, I'm not really good at the baseline, but this is what God's called me to do, to do. Well, praise the Lord. That's where the anointing is. So even if you're not the most amazing one at it, it's anointed and it will have more effect than the greatest bass singer of all time. Amen. Because the anointing of the Lord is what accomplishes things. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it. Amen? Amen. So that's been uh, where, where we've been at. We talked last week about Pua. In Shephara, the Hebrew midwives, um, I believe that the, the hall of fame in heaven will be filled with people we've never heard of before. Yeah. Simple people who just said, okay, Lord, I'll sing this, uh, this part, and I'll do it with joy, and I'll lean on your Holy Spirit. And there will be people who come to heaven, and they will be like, you didn't even know, you didn't even think what you were doing was significant, but you did it for the joy of the Lord, and because of that, I'm saved today. The anointing of the Lord. It's only the Lord that can call people to himself, right? Amen. Not your brilliance, not, not your amazing abilities. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm doing what he's asked me to do, there'll be more fruit there than anywhere else. Amen? Amen. So today I have a couple other unsung heroes that I want to introduce you to. Um, and uh, the first one I want to introduce us to is, is a gentleman by the name of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus, however you want to say it. 
Onesiphorus. You've all heard of his name before. Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. We sang his songs in Sunday school. Remember the old Onesiphorus song? Onesiphorus, you did it for us. Onesiphorus, how we adore you. Nobody jumped in on that one with me. I just made that one up. So you just got blessed with a song from the Holy Spirit. There you go. We sing songs about Paul and Silas. We sing songs, about, you know, and we remember them, which is great. And we should, because Paul wrote like 23% of the New Testament. And what he accomplished was amazing. We have great record of it. But Onesiphorus, he gets one shout out in the scripture. And so let's find out. It's in the book of 2 Timothy. Now, we even remember Timothy's name, although I would suggest that if he didn't have a book named after him, we wouldn't remember his name either. But Onesiphorus, he's mentioned by Paul, just one shout out. We know that he was a missionary, a leader. He led the church in Ephesus. And according to tradition, he was even martyred for his faith by standing up against the idol worshipers. Yeah. And so we, we, we get all of these things undocumented. And I want to remind you, just because what you do for the Lord never gets documented doesn't mean it, it's any less significant. Onesiphorus, we don't even know the extent of what he did. Scripture gives him one shout out, and I believe there's a reason that the Holy Spirit wanted to teach us one thing about, about this, issue, this issue, but everything else he doesn't get a shout out for. Last week, I mentioned, uh, I, I mentioned Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first person on record to summit Mount Everest, along with his Sherpa, uh, Tinsing. See, I remembered his name. Sir Edmund Hillary got the knighthood for it. Tensing didn't get anything. But here's the thing. I'll take it even a step further. Most people believe that there were others who, mount, who, who got to the top of Mount Everest before they did. But it was undocumented. Does that make it any less significant? No. It's like this. When I, when I was in high school, my friends and I, we would go skiing up at Mount Baker. And we'd, bring our, we'd get these little cameras, right? And we're like, okay, you got to take the picture. And, and I'm going to go off the jump. Because when someone's going to video you or take the picture, you give it more than if it's just going to, right? And so I'm going, and I fly off the jump. I'm like, oh, did you get it? And you're like, oh, the camera wasn't wound up. What? I put all that effort. Well, does it make the jump any less significant? Well, to my heart, maybe. Just because something doesn't get documented, the Lord doesn't forget a thing. He has documented the very hairs on your head. So here we go. In 2 Timothy, Onesiphorus, and I'll give you a little context. Paul, this is towards the end of it all. He is in prison in Rome. And it would be like this. Let's say we got a number of churches here in town. And, uh, and let's say I'm buddies with quite a few of the pastors. And, and the pastor from First Whatever, First Reform, the, he, he uh, gets arrested and persecuted. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I probably don't, I want to distance myself from him because, uh, because he's being persecuted right now and I don't want to be thrown into that bus. So here's what happened to Paul. Paul is in prison and, uh, and, and a lot of the people, even, even the churches that he started were distancing themselves from Paul. They're like, well, Paul is getting some serious persecution. And they'll be like, hey, you know Paul? And you're like, oh, boy, I think I heard of him. 
right? Because they didn't want to get thrown in, into the, the dungeon in Rome. They didn't want to have any of that. And so they started to distance themselves from Paul because of that. And this is where Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, and that's where we get 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 18. So here's what he says. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy on the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. And that's it. Period. That's the shout out to Onesiphorus from Paul. No water parting fame documented. No, no dead raising fame. No preaching fame. No convert fame. I'm not saying he didn't do those things. But like I said, we don't have those documented in the scripture. We get this one thing. He often refreshed me and wasn't ashamed of me. He went out of his way to find me and encourage me. To Paul who's authoring this book. Now, you've been blessed by Paul, everyone in here. You've been blessed by Paul. Amen. But he wrote this book sitting there in the pit of despair. And what was your memory? I remember Onesiphorus. He went after me. He wasn't ashamed of me. And he kept coming and refreshing me. And that's significant, he said. And I believe there's a reason the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to throw that in there, knowing full well that even in 2020, we would be reading these words and be reminded of this significant, seemingly insignificant, yet powerfully significant thing of this unsung hero named Onesiphorus, who just went out of his way to refresh Paul Amen. without shame. Onesiphorus. His name actually means, it literally means bringing, one who brings profit. He brings profit. He often refresh, refreshes me. Now listen, don't minimize the anointing of being a refresher. It's significant. Have you ever been refreshed before? And here's what I mean. Here's what, like, you are so discouraged. And there's a timely word of encouragement that, like, lifts you out of the very depths of despair, right? Anybody had that experience before? Or this good, a piece of, you, you think everything's going wrong, and all of a sudden this piece of good news comes, and it's like, it's like a, a, a fresh, cold cup of water in a desert, or better yet, a hot cup of coffee on a cold day. It's, it literally changes things. This is the anointing of a refresher and it is not an insignificant thing. When you were refreshed, I want you to if you can think back to a specific moment, do so. If you can just remember the feeling, remember that. In that moment, when you got that timely word, when somebody went out of their way and it was like that cup of cold water, was that moment not more vital and important to you than the parting of the Red Sea? Wasn't that the most profound miracle you could ever even imagine in that moment? Don't underestimate the anointing and the power of the anointing of refreshment. 
How lovely on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Isaiah 52, 7. That moment was, listen, wasn't that moment as equally as profound to you as if you were raised from the very dead itself? I would submit to you that the anointing of a refresher is the same anointing of the dead raisers. And I would go one step further and I'd say, if you always long to see the dead raised to life, you want to see the manifest power of raising, raising the dead? become the greatest refresher you could ever imagine to other people. I believe there's the same anointing there. It's a lifting of life. Bringing to, in fact, you, you want to be the most incredible encourager and refreshment, refresher in the name of Jesus on planet Earth so that when the dead come around you, they just want to come back to life. <laughs> I just want to be with that guy again. It's always, it's always an encouragement, and I feel so refreshed. Listen, the body of Christ needs the refreshers. It needs the refreshment of the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. People like Onesiphorus who, who will not listen to their shame or listen to their fear, but will go to be an encourager no matter what. Just this week, some unnamed person, I could name them, but I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to embarrass them. Just very, this is a very simple example. And I wasn't, oh, I wasn't super discouraged. But this person just sat down, how are things going in a certain area? And I shared. And they, they, shared, they just shared, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray this over you. I'm going to pray that, that the, the, the Lord would rebuke the devourer for your sake. He prayed that over me, shared a quick testimony, and that was it. But I'm telling you, it was like I got a giant big boat from the 7-Eleven. And in that moment, that was, the most, that was the most powerful thing the Holy Spirit could have done for me. It was, it was dead raising. It wakened parts of my faith that had become sleepy, had become, had become just lazy, and that encouragement rose that dead in me. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I do believe that. It raised that in me. Onesiphorus, that's what it is. We need to all become good at being onesophorizers. The body of Christ should be people who walk around and people are just drawn to us. Like, I don't even believe what you believe, but being around you is so refreshing. And I'm not asking you to do it out of our own strength and our own wit and our own wisdom. I'm asking you to lean that on your own understanding. Look into the Holy Spirit. Lord, how can I encourage this person? And then just be that vessel with sincerity, with joy, with a smile off your, on your face, not looking to your needs. But what are their needs? How can I bless them? How can I encourage them? What's the small word? Even a small word, word can raise the dead. There is power in that. I think of lots of other famous, not, not famous, but unsung refreshers in the scripture. I'll tell you one of my favorite unsung heroes in the Bible is Jonathan's armor bearer who doesn't even get a name. Okay? Just so you have a little context, Jonathan was King Saul's son, who, you know what, if you look at it, he was also a pretty unsung hero. He laid down the kingdom to give to David. That's a pretty significant thing. We get a lot of stuff about Jonathan and, and David in there. But Jonathan's armor bearer, he's a pretty unsung hero. And I believe he was a refresher 
His job was to carry Jonathan's stuff. <laughs> that was his job. I'm going to carry your sword, carry your shield. And, I, and, and, and so here they are in the kingdom. The Philistines are oppressing the Israelites. And Jonathan and his armor bearers sneak off from the army. And, uh, and, and Jonathan has this great idea. He's like, hey, we're going to go over to that Philistine garrison. We're going to, we're going to climb up halfway. And, and maybe what we'll do is we'll see if the Lord wants to deliver them into our hands. And Jonathan's armor bearer, he's carrying the, the armor. And he, here's what he says. Whatever your heart has, wants to do, I'm with you. Amen. Whatever is on your heart, I'm with you. Listen, there's, no more, there's, there's not many more powerful things you could say to somebody than I'm, I'm with you, no matter what. I don't care what. I'm, he's like, I'm literally going to either die with you or stand by you in glory. It doesn't matter. I'm with you no matter what. So Jonathan says, okay, if you're with me, we can do this, all right? So he's like, what we'll do is we'll go halfway up and we'll shout up to him. And we'll say, hey, and then they'll see us. And if they tell us to wait here till they come down, we'll know it's, we need to get out of here. But if they say to come up here, we'll know that's the Lord saying he's delivered us into your hands. And the, and the armor bearer says again, let's do it. I'm with you, whatever's on your heart. So they go and they, they, they climb halfway up and they're like, hey, and, and the Philistines look down, the whole garrison, and they say, hey, look at these, little, they're coming out of their caves. He's like, you guys, get up here. Like, and, and Saul says to his armor bearer, the Lord's delivered him into our hands. And so Saul and his armor bearer go up and defeat the entire Philistine garrison. Side by side, they, I mean, the, the armor bearer did just as much as Jonathan. They both climbed Everest together. One's not more significant than the other. But I, I want to submit to you, I don't know, and I can't, I can't say this for sure, but I'm not so sure Jonathan would have had the guts to go up there without the armor bearer standing at his side saying, whatever's on your heart, I'm with you. There is so much power in the I'm with you. Who can you say that to? Well, I want to be the one to, to climb Everest. Well, start encouraging people and you'll find yourself on Everest. <laughs> it's the truth. The armor bearer never would have gotten there either if he hadn't just been the best encourager he could. I'm with you. And, I, and now, I'm telling you, the Lord has put people in your lives and on your heart that you have this weird favor for. Like, they may be a hot mess. And according to the world, they're just a failure. But for some reason, your heart is like, I'm so for them. That's the Onesiphorus anointing on you. For that person. And I would, I would challenge you and urge you just to go to that person and say, hey, I'm with you no matter what. Because you know, as well as I do, the Lord has an anointing on their life and a part to sing in the a cappella song of the church that they're called to sing, that they'll never sing without an Onesiphorus saying, hey, I'm with you, I got you, no matter what. No matter how many times you mess up, no matter what a mess, I'm with you. I love you, I'm with you. Now let's go do what's on your heart. Who is it that the Lord has put on your heart? I think of lots of other unnamed people in the scripture that, that, were, that, that encouraged the entire nation and the body. I think of the, the unnamed men of Jabesh Gilead who rushed into the temple of Dagon. None of them are named. There's no glory in their name. But King Saul had been killed and his head was put in this abomination, the temple of Dagon. And they, at the expense of their lives, rushed in and just grabbed the head and, and escaped, encouraging the entire nation. Just, just demonstrating, hey, 
I, this wasn't even a significant battle, but the honor was important. It refreshed the nation. It reminded them what valor is. I think if somebody is simple, see, I was just going to diminish what they did. What about Noah's unnamed wife? <laughs> hey, honey, the Lord wants me to build a giant boat. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, Noah. Whatever's on your heart. Listen, she doesn't get the cred that we should give her. She stood with him in the, all the way through. I mean, I'd like to hear some of their conversations, but I bet you anything there was some encouragement that happened on that end. Unsung, we don't get documented all of those things, but that is a powerful, powerful anointing, a powerful anointing to you choose to step into. Now, we don't honor these people at the expense of the others, right? Here's what, here's what the world wants us to do, right? Well, Sir Edmund Hillary was nothing because of the Sherpa. He still summited Mount Everest, folks. The world wants us to rob honor from others in order to give it to somebody else, right? Listen, we are all about honoring women, not at the expense of men. The world wants you to take the honor from the man and give it to the woman. That's, that's stolen honor. They're worthy of honor all on their own. They don't need any of my honor. There is a bank of honor in the heavens that the Lord has endowed and bestowed, and that's where we take the honor from and, and build others up. I don't have to steal it from anybody else. I don't have to rob it from somebody else to give it to somebody else. And when I do, it's a fake honor. It's a lie. It's a stolen truth. And so we have to be careful, right, not to steal the honor from David, or steal the honor from David to give to Jonathan, and then steal that honor from Jonathan to give it to, to his little Sherpa. They're all worthy of honor on their own for what the Lord asked them to do. The person who sings the soprano line has the same honor as the person who sings the doo-doo-doo-doo. Right. There's honor, and the Lord has, has beautifully, wonderfully built this tapestry called His church. Amen. And every pixel matters. Every moment, every note that matters. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Amen. Read that again. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If you came here today, and, and it's not uncommon to feel like you need refreshment, don't feel guilty about feeling like you need to be refreshed, but the, the most guaranteed way to find refreshment is to look outside of yourself to others to refresh. Why did David have so many people who refreshed him? Because he refreshed others. Amen. That's what he did. He was a refreshing person to be around. Jonathan, in fact, refreshed David so many times. David would come to him discouraged, your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, I'm with you no matter what. I'll go find out for you. And as a result, Jonathan got refreshed as well. Right? David refreshed Saul. That was his job. He would go in, and the Bible says, when, when, the, when, when his evil spirit would come on Saul, David would play, and it would refresh Saul. Make him fresh again. You think about, about the Apostle Paul. Well, how did he wait getting an Onesiphorus to refresh him? He's refreshed me. Has he refreshed you? I think if just one verse in particular. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Paul wrote that, and that's refreshed me. 
So I'm not stealing honor from Paul to give it to Onesiphorus. I'm not stealing honor from anybody. We are, honor, we are giving honor to whom honor is due. Amen. And the bank account of honor is so deep in the Lord. Who can you refresh? That's my question today. There's a reason Onesiphorus was put in the scripture, and I think it was to encourage us to encourage others. And I want to read you this, this verse in 1 Peter 4. If you'll throw that up on the screen for me. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says this. Above all, okay, above everything, folks, church, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. I'm going to press pause and look at me. If you're keeping record of sins, you are not loving deeply. That's just a side note. That's for free. If you can look at anyone in this room or anyone in your family and list off their sins, you need to go back to the drawing board of love and ask the Lord to give you a new heart for them. Because that's a, that's a cheap gift. I can point out everybody. So I can point out flaws like nobody else. But what I need the Holy Spirit for is like, okay, what covers that? The love of the Lord. Amen. That's not even where we're going with this. But it says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, I, I, I tell you all the time how amazingly gifted and anointed and, and like the Lord has blessed you to be a blessing here, right? And, and in your family and those around you. But the gifts that you're given, you may be amazing, whatever it is, whatever gift it is, the very specific use isn't for yourself. Amen. It's not to increase your status. It's not to increase your bottom line. It is to bless others. The gifts of the Lord are always meant to focus outward Amen. and bless others. In fact, he says, it says, so the gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Yeah. Another, another translation says, as faithful managers of God's grace. Another one says, as faithful administrators of God's grace. Imagine this. You are God's administrative assistant, and your job is to, is to manage his grace towards other people. Now, how many of you want your manager to manage things in the way that you want them managed, right? God's grace is our job to manage out to other people. It always is an encouragement to people. It is always a blessing to people. That's the grace on you. That's your job. Who can you refresh? Not who can refresh you. Who can you refresh? That's the question of the day. Uh, I, I want to... Uh, show this picture here. It's a beautiful picture of me in the, in the eighth grade. This is the greatest picture ever. I'm in Mickey Mouse's house itself in Disneyland. There's both of my brothers there. Um, and, uh, and here's the thing. If, when, I, when I throw any picture up there, if you're in it, who's the first person you're looking for? Okay. Who's, raise your hand if you've had family photos taken before. Come on. If you haven't, we'll take one after. First thing I do, I'm given, maybe the photographer gives me 20 photos to look at. Which one do you like? I'm looking right at myself. I don't even look at other people until I find myself. And then I'm like, oh, I look great in this. I know my life's going like this. But this is my favorite one. It's the truth. We are very self-focused people. It's, what, it's the first thing we do is look to our own interest. And if the, I look good in the picture, the picture must be good. Now, I realize in this picture, my, my brother Adam's like this. And Britain's like this. Sorry, Britain. 
But the, the, the thing is, I'm like, hey, I don't look that bad. This is a great picture of me and Mickey. All right? We have to manage God's grace. And part of that is filtering through our own selfishness. Because if I'm going to be, if my manager stops all the blessings at himself, oh, I'll take this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. I'm going to be fat and happy on blessings of the Lord, but I'm not giving them out to anybody. I'm a bad steward and a poor manager of the grace of God. We should look to the interest of others. We should be the onisophoruses, the, the encouragers, the ones who go out of their ways to speak just that timely blessing. I want to show you a, one more, a quick video of somebody in my family who loves me. Go ahead. Well, hi, welcome, New Life. I am here to introduce to you the one member of my family who is always happy to see me. Now, my whole family, they like me. Of course they do. But this guy, this member of my family, is never disappointed to see this mug walk through the door. So let me introduce you to somebody. He doesn't always make it to church. But uh, right there, there's my friend Jack. Oh, hi, buddy. Oh, hi, buddy. Oh, how did going? Oh, good work. He's so happy to see me. Jack, are you happy to see me? That's right. This is Onesiphorus, my dog, Jack. Listen, cats are evil, folks. You walk into a garage with a cat and they look at you like this. Oh, you have a treat? I'll come over to see you. Dogs are like, you're here! But we keep cats around because they eat the mice and they perform a duty for us. Dogs are so much more work. They don't do anything for us. But they speak to our soul encouragement. They are so happy to see you. It's like, I'm going to go walk into the garage just so I can feel good about myself. Right? Imagine who you could be like that to. No strings attached. You, they walk in the door like, oh, I'm not asking you to put that on. I'm asking you to ask the Lord to give you a heart for people like that. Amen. Because we know if you're faking it, right? If the dog's like, hey, you're here. <laughs> you're awesome. There's, no, there's just nothing but sincerity. He's like, oh, I, can't, I can't even keep my feet on the ground because you've entered into the room. And you sense it, and it blesses your heart. This is what Onesiphorus did for Paul. I guarantee you, he could, he could have just been beaten down. And when Onesiphorus came, he said, oh, Paul, I'm here. I'm so happy to see you. <gasps> Paul's heart was all of a sudden lifted to the state as if he was in the greatest place on planet Earth. And it empowered Paul to write the letters. It empowered Paul to live out his calling. And I guarantee you, Onesiphorus had people encouraging him too. We don't get, we don't get their song sung either. But what we can take is the anointing of the dead raiser here. And it starts with the anointing of encouraging and being a refresher with no strings attached. Lord, give me. And the more you encourage somebody, the more your heart will be for them. The more, and, 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 and I, this is just an aside because I, I, I want to challenge us. It is really easy when someone's not in the room to talk about their faults with other people. That's the most easiest thing to do. In fact, I find myself doing it sometimes like, shut up. Yeah. Like, it's not even a big deal, but yet it's easy because it somehow makes me feel better about it, but I feel like garbage when I actually do it. Yeah. 
But if, when they're not in the room, I'm still speaking good things about them. It changes my heart and I receive an anointing in its place. I actually receive the ability to be an influence in their life. Because there there is a spiritual realm that is very much as real and as tangible. You may walk into the room and that person's never, you've never heard him say anything bad about you, but you just, there's ickiness. Because maybe you've said something to them or they said, listen, about them. Let's get rid of the ickiness. Let's become those who, are, who rehearse and, and practice and speak the good things in others. Amen. I want to end with this. Stephanie, if you'll come up. We're going to sing a song together. Uh, it's an old hymn that perhaps you've heard of called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. This guy named uh, Robert Robinson. Now, I want to tell you his story and tell you a little bit about this, this song itself. Uh, Robert, uh, his dad passed away when he was quite young. And what I've read, he became quite the, the hooligan. His mom was so frustrated and so beside herself because this guy, he was always, uh, he, was, he was naughty, a naughty kid. And so she, at the age of 14, she sent Robert off to London. She's just like, I'm done with you. You're going to be an apprentice. I think it was to a barber. You're gonna go learn how to cut hair. God bless you. And Robert continued to get in trouble. In fact, he, he surrounded himself with this, this gang of young hooligans, uh, and, and they continued to just be, be rabble-rousers. One night, for some reason, he decided that he and his gang were going to go attend this revival meeting. I don't know why, except for the Holy Spirit drawing somebody. And so he drags his hooligans, whether they were going to go mock or whatever, they get there, and his heart is gripped with, with the words of the gospel. And it, and it wasn't even an immediate thing, but over the next two years, his heart was just broken for the Lord. He gave his life to ministry. He gave his life to following Jesus in his life. And, and he was asked for the Pentecost Sunday service. He became a pastor. They asked him to write a song for the Pentecost service. And he wrote this song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Now, I believe the first couple of, of, uh, of verses, they're very good, and I think he wrote those for the Pentecost Sunday. But when you get to that last verse, I hear the cry of his heart. The first verse is, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. That last verse, if you'll throw the last verse on the screen, I believe this was the cry of Robert's heart. He says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Now, as the story goes, he wrote this as a uh, a young pastor. And in his, his later years, his heart did wander from the Lord. And he backslid, and he was, he was kind of living his own life. And, and he, as, as things would have it, he found himself in a carriage traveling. And a young gal kept humming the tune of this song in the carriage. And he kept trying to get her to change the topic. But as try as he might, it says Robinson couldn't get her to change the subject. Finally, he said to her with tears in his eyes, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who composed that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I, if I had them to enjoy the feelings that I had then. Hmm. 
Gently the woman replied, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. And he was deeply touched. And as a result of that, he repented and came back to the Lord. She was an unsung hero sitting in a carriage. The streams of mercy are still flowing. Sometimes that's all it takes. In fact, that's, that's always what it takes. Just a timely word spoken by the Holy Spirit at the right time because you're willing to be an encourager. You're willing to be a refresher. You're willing to just be a vessel of his grace and steward his mercy to others. And when done like that, the Holy Spirit takes those things and transforms us. So here's my call today. Three things. Number one, maybe you showed up here today and you have wandered from the Lord. And you showed up at church randomly because somebody brought you in. I want to tell you, as we sing this song, let the Holy Spirit refresh you because his streams of mercy are still flowing. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ and you don't even know what it's like to drink of that, but there is a refreshing in the name of Jesus if you'll come to him. As we sing this song, I also want you to consider who it is the Lord has placed in your life that you can bring a cup of cold water to. Bring that hot cup of coffee to and be the Onesiphorus in their life. So we're going to sing three verses of this. One of the things, uh, one of the words in here that you'll have to get past is he says, here I raise my Ebenezer. It's not Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a, stone, it's a stone of remembrance that they set up and they said, the Lord has brought us this far. We know he's faithful. That's, it was called the Ebenezer Stone. It's his faithfulness we're talking about. And then the word mount. It's talking about the name of the Lord. So if you'll stand with me, let's spend this time and worship the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to us before we go. Come thou found every blessing to my heart to sing the grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me Jesus, I mean. 
enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.